DMB On Demand is a love letter written to the music of the Dave Matthews Band and the eclectic family that passionately supports them. Well, folks, just a little bit of news and updates from the brand before we get going with today's episode. First of all, we decided to put the Bartender Please uh, project on the back burner. A longtime DMB friend suggested that we check her group out, and sure enough, they are exploring the same topics that we were going to explore. In such a sense of a hyper-focused topic, I don't see the room or the need for two different groups. You can check out their group by searching Dave Matthews Band Believers and Soul Searchers on Facebook. Uh, The postings are a little sparse, but we're going to be working together to increase the quantity and quality. Uh, You might even see a little bit of my handiwork in their post designs, banners, etc. Want to give a special shout out to our good friend Red and his fiancee Allison. They're both longtime fans of DMB and will be attending their first live show in Atlanta in July. They mean the world to each other, and the band means the world to them both. They have a wedding coming up relatively soon, so hop on over to at REDD3531. That's at RED3531 and give them a a shout out and a tweet to send them some encouragement in starting their life together and going to their first DMB show. So a little later in this episode, you're going to hear Nico and I talking about a new feature um, called DMB Boomerang. And I can tell you now, it's been uh, two weeks or so since we recorded the interview and I've had some time to flesh out the idea and we're officially going to move forward with it. Um, DMB Boomerang will start off with one topic and lyric. It uh, could be like my favorite lyric, I will bring water. And we talk about how we are our brother's keeper and if they need water, whatever water may be to them, as long as it's healthy and the gift is from a good place, then you should be expected to bring water, whatever water is for them. And so we'll let the conversation drift to other songs and lyrics to explore the interconnective qualities to the music that we all love. Then near the end, we'll circle back around to the original topic and lyric with new insights as to what it means in its totality. If you want to listen to new viewpoints on familiar lyrics and life stories, then this is for you. This will primarily be uploaded to our Patreon page as an ad-free bonus content, uh, though we may post an episode or two on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, etc., in order to help spread the word. So, after getting request upon request as to how you can support the podcast, we decided that instead of just taking in PayPal donations, we also wanted to give back to those that support us. So you can find us by searching for DMB On Demand on Patreon.com, 
or you can just go to patreon.com slash dmbeyonddemand. I want to spend a, send a special thank you to the eight new patrons on our Patreon page. Uh, this allows us to cover the monthly cost and time required to keep up the website, the media, blog, groups, designs, and podcast. Without your support, we would have never gotten to where we are over these past 11 years. Coming down the pipe, uh, we just finished recording an incredible interview with our old friend Scott Kay. Uh, he bravely and entertainingly broke down what the music of DMB has meant in his balls-to-the-wall, be-present-in-every-moment, live-it life. Uh, the episode clocked in at 90 minutes, so we're splitting that up into three episodes to close out Season 3. Don't worry won't be vanishing anytime soon. There are still two more episodes coming out prior to Scott's, and we have some ideas percolating for the off-season, such as DMB Boomerang, an upgrade and weekly posts from authors on the blog and other areas of the brand that need some attention in our downtime. Speaking of the blog, if you love DMB and you love to write, then we would love to have you uh, on our blog creator page of the website. You can post as many posts as you like. We only ask for one post per week minimum. Anything more is great. Uh, the topics are yours for the choosing. They can be a life story that the music of DMB has touched, or they can be a song slash lyric analysis, or simply posting a few new videos that you found in the past week. As long as it's DMB related, the more the merrier when it comes to blog creators and blog posts. Finally, be sure to find us and follow us on social media. You can search Facebook for the DMB On Demand group. You can follow us on Twitter at DMB On Demand. And you can visit dmbondemand.com for podcast notes, thousands of DMB posters, thousands of DMB images, and thousands of hours of DMB video organized into playlists for the users to browse. Hello, and welcome to DMB On Demand, where we explore the music of DMB and the family therein. Take a seat, get comfortable, and welcome to the best of what's around. Welcome to DMB On Demand. Before we get to the interview, we'll take a moment to discuss some DMB history and news. We will have links to all information presented in the notes section of the episode on dmbondemand.com. Bridget again with a little DMB history from DM, DMB On Demand. You can find me on Twitter at BRIHAL4457. Continuing from last episode, for years it was believed that the band's first public show was at Charlottesville 1991 Earth Day Festival. On October 9, 2010, Stefan Lassard reported via Twitter that the discovery of an earlier show tape, March 14, 1991, at Trax, a local music venue. The show was a benefit of for the Middle East Children's Alliance and according to Lassard, include the following songs. Typical Situation, Best of What's Around, I'll Back You Up, 
Song That Jane Likes, Warehouse, Cry Freedom, and Recently. The show included only Dave, Stefan, Carter, and Leroy. Local weekly appearances soon followed, and within a short time, word of the band sound spread. The band considered calling itself Damwala, which is Suwana word for hello, but there was little enthusiasm for the name and they decided against it. One story is that Moore reportedly telephoned a place that they were booked at and said to write Dave Matthews. The person receiving the call wrote band after the name, and the name stayed Dave Matthews Band from that point on. Matthews told Robert Trott of AP, Boyd, if memory serves, wrote Dave Matthews Band on this flyer for the show. There was no time when we said, let's call this band the Dave Matthews Band. It just became that, and it sort of was too late to change when we started thinking that this could focus unfairly on me. People sort of made that association, but it's really not like that. Beaufort seemed to agree with Matthew's analysis of the band name, and when he said to Modern Drummer Magazine that, as a matter of fact, that's one of the things about this band that everybody likes. There isn't a leader. Each one of us can express ourselves musically without being choked by a leader. Everybody can offer what they feel is going to enhance the music. So yeah, that's the main thing that all the guys, especially me, feel make this band happen. It's the freedom that we have to speak with our instruments. Well put, Carter. Tune in next week for the continuation of DMB history from DMB On Demand. Thanks, friends. Each week, we have an intimate conversation with a member of the DMB family. We explore how the music of Dave Matthews' band and the deep bonds within the DMB family have shaped their life. We come to realize that while each story is unique and the family as a whole is diverse, we are sewn together by one common thread. The members of Dave Matthews' band and the people who make up the DMB family are simply people who love. We hope you enjoy this week's interview. Well, folks, as you know, season three, we've been um, kind of stepping back from our, our friends on Twitter and going over to Facebook. And truth be told, a lot of the, the connections and friendships I've made uh, through Facebook go back much further than everybody I got to know through Twitter. And, and uh, I've been blessed to be able to meet quite a few people that I've learned since my wife and I travel for work Um but there's been a handful of people I've been wanting to get on here since I, I first thought of the podcast. And our guest today is high on that list, let me tell you. Uh, we've had some kinks to work out this week in our schedule, but we finally sat down and were able to make it happen. So, Nico, why don't you tell them your name, tell them a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living, what you like to do for fun, just kind of round yourself out as a person and take your time. Oh, that's great, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, again, my name is Nico Manorino. Um, I have been a fan of the band now for several, several years. I'm, uh, I'm currently in retail management. Um, I was a cast member at Walt Disney World, and that gave me a, a, a passion for customer experience. So I, I train and develop people uh, to have that same kind of uh, understanding and appreciation. In my downtime, you can find me hiking in the woods, uh, sometimes, a lot of times, actually hammocking. Uh, along the river with my girl Maggie. Uh, the real passion in my life, though, after her, is music. I can talk about music for absolutely 
hours and hours. Um, as a record collector, I've amassed quite an eclectic collection of albums. Um, in yeah, what's the genre. total number on that? What's the total number on that so far? Uh, the last time I did a count was just over 1,400 LPs, like full size. Whoa. Um, and then I've got <laughs> close to 5,045s, which is wow. its own thing. You know, it's its own monster. That's amazing. Um, I, I, was, I was fortunate. Um, a good friend uh, who's actually a patron at a job I used to work at. I, I was a manager at a restaurant and he would come in several times a week and he turns out he was a DJ back in the day. And so he had all these 45s and uh, his name is Rick. And uh, he started bringing them to me in tubs. You know, he'd come in and eat and be like, Hey, I got another tub in the car. Come get it. And uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this guy had he, everything. So I, you know, all my 45s and even a couple of LPs are all from him, uh, which is pretty, pretty cool. So that definitely helped. But, um, but yeah, and like, again, every genre, you know, he, like I got one of my uh, wall by Pink Floyd, the wall, I got that from him first pressing, you know, really cool. And then also Wu-Tang Clan, you know, so I got everywhere on the spectrum. Um, uh, awesome. Here, I, I live in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and uh, I like, uh, I like digging for records, especially at Spoonful Records, my favorite place uh, here in town. Um, as a concert goer, I've saved almost every ticket stub from the hundreds of shows I've been to. You know, artists like uh, Clapton, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Uh, more recently, Twenty One Pilots, and of course, Dave Matthews Band. Um, I grew yeah. up in a very musical situation. My mom was known on the Cleveland theater scene back in the day, and my dad uh, was big into like Motown, Elvis Presley, Frankie Valli, stuff like that. And my sister and I, you know, we. We would dance to Michael Jackson in our diapers on top of our toy box and stuff like that. And um, at night, I'd fall asleep listening to Mozart, Liberace, stuff like that, you know. Um, uh, and then I was about five years old when my parents got me signed up for classical piano lessons. And I studied that for about 10 years. Um, a lot of big classical pieces like Flight of the Bumblebee, Hungarian Rhapsody, number two, stuff like that. But I really wanted to do like the Little Richard and the Jerry Lee Lewis, you know. So, uh, wonderful woman, Bailing Foss. Like, uh, I hope she's doing well. I don't know what she's up to lately, but she really introed me into instruments. You know, after that, I, I had band for a little while. So I learned clarinet and saxophone and violin and orchestra. Um, but when I was 16, I, I found my dad's old acoustic guitar up in the attic. And, um, I taught myself to play on that. Uh, I started with like one string, just figuring out notes and things. Oh, wow. Um, nice. it was almost exclusively Dave Matthews after that, which any guitar player will tell you it's kind of ludicrous to start with, uh, cause his, his technique is very unique. Um, the way he adds rhythms to his strumming by, by muting, he's, he's just a phenom at muting strings. Um, and he lets his strumming hand be more dominant instead of his fingering hand, which is opposite from what you'll find in most guitar players. You know, like when you watch Tim Reynolds, for example, he's kind of, uh, set himself apart from that because both of his hands are just you know ridiculous. He's yeah, an absolute I feel alien. like Dave's. I feel like Dave's strumming hand, like you said, is is dominant, and and the other hand sometimes seems like it's it's kind of a little bit lost or 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 indecisive or floating. Yeah. Kind of floating is the best way. Yeah, almost like it's trying to catch up. Um, that's a great way of yeah. putting it. Yeah, it's uh, it's very very strange, but having that background in piano kind of made me realize that it's there's that connection there when one of your hands is floating to use your word a lot more than the other one and that kind of made this unconscious connection for me and uh after that i my cousin vince Vinny, he uh got me set up in some bars because he's a musician up in cleveland so he had me come guest with him a couple times uh the first one was at a biker bar and i was nervous as hell we did like uh 
uh, we did a Green Day and uh, some Neil Young, and I had a blast. And it, you know, just gave me that love for performing. So I started doing bars, parties, events, anything I could. Um, I saw Tim Reynolds for the first time live at the Blue Gator in Athens at Ohio University, and uh, I was privileged to then open for TR3 uh, for the first of two oh, times wow, nice. um, in, at Woodlands Tavern here in Columbus. And uh, it was it, it was one of those moments, you know, where like you've done something yeah. your whole life and then you get to not only meet one of your idols, but to share the stage with them. And it was, you know, absolutely phenomenal. So that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell. I'm all about the music. Big time. All right, man. So, and for the folks listening on the episode page of this podcast, we'll make sure we leave plenty of links where you can find Nico and, and find his music. We won't leave you in the dark looking for it. We'll make sure you can find it straight away um, all right so we're just gonna jump right into the meat and bones of this podcast and that's the music of dmb and how it's impacted our life and, uh, I, I did have one question i'm sorry i'm sorry let yeah. me back up a little bit what's what's your home then what do you consider your home then i uh i would consider my home venue to be blossom music center it's in Cuyahoga falls which is up uh, near cleveland and having grown up there i was there in the summer all the time for uh the orchestra that's the like the orchestra's summer venue and uh so when i was older and i started going to concerts i was most comfortable going to blossom so now even though i'm in columbus i've got you know blossom to the north i got river bend to the south i got deer creek out there to the west you know indiana and i've got star lake to the east and it's like this great little area because i've got so many great venues but uh, i always hold blossom close to my heart so i i definitely have to put it as Blossom is my own venue. Yeah, like I said earlier, my wife and I travel, and it's, it really has been a blessing to be able to meet a lot of these people that we see, you know, online and, and, and haven't had a chance to meet or know through the music. And while I can't promise you we're traveling to Ohio anytime soon, uh, when we get done traveling, we're actually in Indianapolis. So when we get done traveling, we're going to definitely have to get a show together at Deer Creek or Blossom or River. Oh, uh, yes. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the the other thing I wanted to touch on is Tim Reynolds, a little story. <laughs> so yeah. before I got into Dave Matthews, I heard about this guy, Tim Reynolds, and somebody was telling me I had to check him out. So I checked him out. And this is at a time in my life where I was really big into like Tool and Nine Inch Nails. Oh, that's awesome. Lines. Yeah. And so I hear this music and I'm like, oh, what the hell is this shit? If I, <laughs> if I want to listen to a guy on machines, I would go listen to Trent Reznor. Like, no, dude. That's a guy in the guitar. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. No. So, <laughs> then sure enough, I started looking up videos. I'm like, holy shit. It's a guy in the guitar. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I, anyone who listens to Tim and then you see him, it's like, wait, that is that is so uh, extraordinary. It's out of this yeah. world. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. So, that was crazy. All right. So, With all the bands out there, especially with you, uh, being as diverse as you are in your taste of music, what was it that brought you full center for DMB? Uh, so it's it's really the, the, the root amalgam of the different types of music that they brought together. Um, you know, when they have backgrounds in jazz fusion and classical violin, you know, when you hear the violin, you immediately think of bluegrass or country and 
it's it's such a strange thing to have that included in an alternative uh, yeah. rock almost old country mix. exactly yeah, old, old, old country, country. Yeah. Um, sitting on the front porch with the fiddle and the spoon kind of country and uh, you know I don't uh, Bellafleck from Bellafleck the Flectones uh, his Africa project um, several years ago maybe eight or ten years ago now uh, was to go back and trace the roots of the banjo through music um, all the way from Africa and when you discover that kind of thing you know all of our music influences come from an African background and that brings this band together. Like that's really a gel in my opinion, Dave having been from South Africa um, and then so much African influence in their music and, um, uh, and in their heritage, it's, you get those amazing rhythms coming out that Carter can do. Like when you listen to say goodbye, you know, those drums, you just, you can picture yourself like almost on the Serengeti kind of a thing, you know? And then you have yeah. the saxophone comes in and it's so smooth. And it's like, okay, now we're in a club in New York or Chicago, you know, and then this violin comes in and then you're back on that porch with the spoons. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? And that's, you know, when I first started listening to it, it was almost, almost too much. Like I couldn't place it. You know, when someone says, well, what genre is Dave Matthews band? It's like, oh, I don't man. know. They're Dave Matthews band. You know, like that is yeah. the genre because it's so yeah. unique. And I think that's really what sucked me in was how unique they really are. That music is just, ah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, this is actually the, believe it or not, the second interview I've done in two days where Gayla Fleck was mentioned. That man and his Fleck tones are yeah. one of a kind. And they, because the person that I interviewed yesterday, uh, Wendy, she had never, she had heard of Fleck Tones, but, but hadn't ever really sat down and listened to them. So I, I told her to start with Big Country and, uh, oh, one of the best. Yeah, just those, that huge limbering, like giant stomping feel of that song. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so when I think about life, I kind of feel like it's, you're on the highway going 75 miles an hour, but there's no car. You're just standing there going and all these things are rushing by you. And every now and then you're lucky because something else will come up going the exact same speed you are. And you get to hang out with somebody for a while. Sometimes it's for forever, which is fantastic, but it's a lot of sensory input. And that's the way life is. It's just all this sensory input. It's intake, 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 intake. So with all that intake that goes on in your life, what song, what DMB song has been able to be there as a standard bearer, as something that can break through the noise and be with you when you need it the most? I got to say, I love that metaphor. That's, uh, that's really excellent. Um, and typically when I'm on the freeway 75, the windows are down and I'm jamming out to music. <laughs> yes, uh, adding on to that. The, uh, the song, though, I got to go with uh, You Never Know. Uh, from the Busted Stuff album. That that song, when I first heard it, um, it didn't hit me in the way that some other songs did right out of the gate. But as I got older and the more I listened to it, the more I realized just how perfect it is for my life. Um, I've always been a child of nature and a student of science, which I certainly got from my mother. Um, I actually studied geology in college, which I don't use at all in management and customer service, but I still, you know, you can find me in the river splitting rocks, looking for fossils and stuff like that. Um, and I grew up in a, a Catholic household, very active in the church to the point I even took exe exegetical studies courses on the Old and New Testament when I was at Ohio University. 
but despite that, I never truly had faith. Um, and this song, you never know, in my opinion, is Dave's greatest lyrical composition tied or challenged only by the last stop, which is a masterpiece in its own right. Um, but in You Never Know, he questions God, uh, the meaning of life, existence itself. There's the childlike wonder in the imagery of the infinite void of space, you know, lying on the roof, uh, watching the stars. The, there's the moon chasing the car and playing around the rosy, you know, we all fall down. There's that ever-present comfort uh, that Mother Earth gives us when we leave the rushing around of everyday life and, you know, we leave that behind and just go for a walk in our woods, uh, which I do frequently, uh, several times a week. Dave plays beautifully with the inevitability of life coming to an end and gracefully blurs the dichotomy of life and death. You know, there's the line breathing just to breathe. Okay, well, maybe we can find a reason to do so. And we all have our own reasons to keep breathing. Um, you know, there's the, the line dream, little darling dream. Those dreams are only there until you're dead. I uh, get like that, that ever uh, looming presence of death and even the leaf playfully spinning on the wind. Um, but any leaf that has fallen from the limb is soon to be gone anyway. And it's, it's just that beautiful back and forth, you know? But in the end, yeah. it's like, don't worry. Don't let the troubles bring you down. Just play. Enjoy life. And, and every day should be a good day to die if you're living your life. Fantastic. Yeah, a couple of notes there. Uh, one, I grew up Catholic as well. And um, growing up, my father was more Catholic than my mother. My mother converted to Catholicism to marry into the church. But mm. as the years went by, my father lost his faith and my mom has grown and me throughout the process. I went to church because I had to when I was a kid, but then in my <laughs> late teens, early twenties, I started going to like daily mass and Eucharistic adoration and um, really threw myself at it, started going to visit the visionaries, the Cusianist, and really got, got deeply in it. And, um, I ended up losing my faith after all that, or I let go of it. Um, that's one thing. Um, I'm doing the bonus episodes now for Patreon that we're going to start next week. And my Catholicism and what happened when I let go of my faith is the first bonus story we're doing. So I'm pretty excited. To oh, well, that, into that worked out nicely. Yeah. yeah. And then and so one thing I really love more than anything are, are these little tiny connections. and. Uh, it's like when you think about somebody and you have no reason to be thinking of them. And then like four days later, they call you or, yeah, I love it. Love that. Yeah. I love these little connections. And so here I am trying to set. So the question that I was going to ask you, if it was on paper is what's your favorite DMB song. And before we started recording, I told Nico that I'm doing something different this time. I'm going off the top of my head. So instead of reading, you know, what's your favorite DMB song, I gave the metaphor and came at it at an angle and the metaphor I used was this whole on a highway, no car going at 75 miles an hour. Everything's going by zooming by. And then you come in with a song that literally says rushing around seems what's wrong with the world. Like, Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> I love the little connections, man. It works them. perfectly. Yeah. So same situation, um, same scenario. What about lyrics? What's stuck out amongst amongst all the lyrics? Which one has really threaded itself around your heart? Um, 
I would dig a hole all the way to no, I'm kidding. Um the all the lyrics from You Never Know <laughs> aside, um I'd have to go yeah. with um uh the song Snow Outside. The line in particular, the line Come winter I will build you a fire from the bones of who I used to be before you came and washed the weary away before you came here for me. Um having gone through a divorce, it was uh, which was very brutal on my heart, uh, as well as having to in many ways start over you know <clears throat> i had to find myself again and during that time one of my very very good friends kind of became my saving grace and she changed everything and that was maggie and now she is my forever love um so those lyrics uh, that's awesome those always have that encapsulated yeah really really awesome fantastic hey how old are you nico well uh I was really looking forward to my 34th, my 34th year. And then mm. I turned 34, had a big party, and then COVID hit. So I'd like to uh, still think I'm 34, but technically I'm 35. Okay. Right. You've lived a pretty full life for that age, man. I'm, I'm turning 40 here in uh, just under a month. And, you know, following you over these years, you've, you've definitely put yourself out there. And, and you've done a lot in the time that you've had here. It's, it's definitely tremendous. Thanks, man. I, I, I take uh, take these D&B lyrics really seriously. Got to go out there and seize the day. That's right. So there's kind of a, a progression, I guess, of the D&B fan. You start with nothing, and then you go into having heard the music, and then you get curious about it, and then something happens, and you go from casually listening, being a little curious, to, fuck it, man, I'm all in. So what was your bucket man? I'm all in moment. Uh, um, I can think of a couple, but I'm going to have to go with the first time I saw them live. Um, you know, I remember driving to Myrtle beach with my family and like, I brought my buddy. Oh, Jordan along. That's where it was. It was in Myrtle beach. No, it was actually at blossom, but, uh, okay. Okay. We, I had, it was the uh, Busted Stuff album had come out, so it was 02. And uh, we were listening to Gray Street and Bartender in the car all the way down there, my buddy and I. And, you know, we got there and immediately went to a store and I got live in Chicago. And, uh, you know, I started really feeling this band. But then when I saw them live, it was uh, June 21st, 03 at Blossom. 03 was a very interesting tour. Um, you know, my very first show, I got Cry Freedom. And it was like, that's a song people still chase to this day, you know? And at the time mm -hmm. I didn't realize how lucky I was to have that on my very first show. Um, and a great version of the maker, um, which has been on my mind a lot lately since Dave did it on the piano last night during his by request show, which was amazing. Um, yeah. But that first show um, and they opened with don't drink the water and, Oh man, I can still just, I was there on the lawn. I had like six friends. We had all piled into my mom's minivan. And we drove it down to Blossom and we were just hanging out. We I didn't know about tailgating. I didn't know about any of that stuff. You know, we just had lawn tickets, didn't know about anything else. And I just, uh, actually, it was funny because Dave actually came out with the opening group. It was uh, Mo, M-O-E, Mo. And uh, they played The Weight by the band. Uh, they covered that and Dave did the yeah. singing. So, you know, I was like, take a load off, man. You know, it was great. And it was like, oh, I get to see Dave do something weird. You know, like maybe he does this often. I don't know because I was still new seeing him live. And I just, I remember so much about that show. I even got a last stop at my first show. And it was like, I came away from that one, walking back to the car. And it's just like, am I walking on earth right now? Or am I somewhere else? I felt like I was on a different plane. 
And right. like, I think that would, that's got to be the moment where it, it really hit me. You know, I had been on Kaza and Bear Share and Napster and I've been getting as much live stuff as I could. Holy but it, it wasn't until Kaza. I actually saw. I know, right? Like I ruined my Gateway 2000 with that, baby. Um, <laughs> but uh, walking out, that's, that's what really gave me like the passion. You know, that's when I really started going hard and teaching myself how to play guitar after seeing that band live. And uh, watching Roy and just hearing his music, and then Boyd, I think uh, he, the satellite they played at that show, he was really off key. And even from the lawn, you could hear it, but it's like didn't even care. Um, it was just uh, I, I think of that show very fondly. So I, I, I got to go with that as my answer is the place and the time that really turned me around into a crazed fan instead of just a casual fan. I feel like I need a notepad to jot things down to come back to with you because every time we talk, there's like there's like three things that spark an idea in my head. Like you talk about the maker, and I think, man, I've been struggling with the maker for a month now. I've been trying to write this creative writing piece about John the Baptist and the maker, and it's tough. And then he started talking about your first show and the guest spot and my first show. Now mine wasn't until 2019. But my very first show was at the Gorge, and I got Cortez the uh, Killer with Warren Haynes. Like, uh, uh, I, I thought I'd be chasing that until I was dead and gone, and then there it was. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Like you, I was walking on a cloud leaving that place after that. Just, just insane. So yeah, man, um, that's a that's a great one, Warren Haynes. He Government yeah. Mule opened at Blossom one year, and so we were all like, dude, we're going to get Cortez tonight. It's going to be awesome. And then he came yeah. out and guested, and they played Smooth Rider. And it was like, oh, okay, wow. this is cool, but it's like, damn it, I, I was so close. Yeah. <laughs> I would have had my hopes up. Like, oh, they were. Like it's happening. All the stars are aligning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a treat. It, it really was. It was that is. Treat. That so, is a treat, dude. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Um, so as we progress into our fandom we start to well not we i've only been to the three gourd shows now that my social anxiety is in check and i've been to one show and i know there's nothing to worry about i'm going to a lot more but yeah point i digress point is <clears throat> on this path uh we get hooked to the band so then start going to live shows and your your fandom develops further from there it matures and then you start to talk to people and you find out you have some similarities when you're in the shows. And then all of a sudden you become aware of this DMV family, this network of people who may not even be aware that they're in it, but they are. And it's, it, it's a lot of things to a lot of different people. Uh, it's not just one thing to all. Some people find support in it. Some people find joy. Some people just like to share war stories, so to speak. So my question to you is, when did you first become aware of the DMB family and what impact has that had in your life? Ah, DMB family. Ah, man, so much goes into this answer. I mean, being on Twitter, you know, 11 years ago and meeting all anyone who had a handle that was you know, like, Big Eyed Fish 12, you know, anything with like DMB Matt, you know, and it was just like, okay, I'm yeah. going to follow you and I'm going to talk to you and see what's up. And I made so many friends online on Twitter and then I would go to concerts and meet them in real life and I'm still friends with them to this day. And it's like, that is awesome. You know, like that, that is the essence of DMB family. That's what it is. It's a family. Um, it doesn't matter if, if I'm at my home venue, Blossom, or, or, you know, we're hosting the Dreaming Two Tailgate, or down at Lebo's at Riverbend, 
or camping at Dead Creek in Indiana or stumbling through Premier at the Gorge um, or even just on vacation somewhere, you know, this band and their music, I have friends all over the country now with whom I can share time and make memories. Um, I was I was actually brought on as a, a DMB family admin in the very first year that it was a Facebook group uh, when we were barely a thousand members and now we're almost 30,000. Um, I remember in 2011, we had this thing for the caravan shows. We were all going to wear yellow, the color yellow, so we'd be able to recognize each other. Um, and I went to the Chicago caravan. And I had like this yellow bandana. On. I, I can't remember if I got it. I actually, actually got that from Wendy. Um, uh, and, you know, I saw like maybe 15, 20 people wearing yellow. Um, so it didn't quite work out, but like it was still cool. And we definitely <laughs> found each other and it was still fun. But really, the DMB family, is, it's so much more than just a Facebook group. You know, it's that comfort. It's that connection we have with each other that brings us closer together. You know, like when you're driving, <laughs> when you're driving, this happened to me just the other day. When you're driving and you see a fire dancer stick around another car and you get that excited feeling in your stomach because in a way you oh, feel yeah. like you now know that person in that car. <laughs> it's all because that little yep. connection you have with someone who up until a few seconds ago was a complete and total stranger and you smile at yourself. Um, or, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard stories, people go a little crazy and they start beeping the horn and pulling up next to them, grinning like a fool, <laughs> windows down, blasting light our graves, yelling, yeah, Dave, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's cool too. Right. Right? That's fun. Um, it's just, it's, it's that essence, that connection that we all have with each other. I mean, it's like in, uh, I think it was I think 2007, 2008, uh, down in Chicago or down in, Chicago, down in Cincinnati, uh, we're just in a lot. My sister and I were just in a lot hanging out. We knew, uh, we were there with like, uh, our friend, our friends Beth and our friend Bridge, and uh, there was this kid who came strolling along uh, with a guitar, and he's like, "Yeah, my name's Tim." I was like, "Yeah, come hang out with us." And uh, this his his name is Tim Britt, and he's the, a phenomenal musician uh, with the Tim Britt band now up in the, the New York area and the tri-state area. Uh, so I highly recommend checking them out. But uh, he sat there, and we had like one of our little pop-up tents, and we're all like in our cars, just hanging out. And he started playing guitar, and he started playing Stream by Tim Reynolds and watching his fingers go like it was like it was seeing like almost a clone of Tim Reynolds and it was like damn dude uh I wanted to get to know you better (laughs) and now like we've seen each other at concerts all over the country you know and um and like it's it's that little thing where you can make a friendship out of absolutely nothing you just find that one tiny little connection you know he played guitar and I was still learning guitar you know but it's like you just you carry those those relationships with you and you know it doesn't matter where you're at that's that's the dmb family all brought together just because of this band and its music and we all have so many stories you know we have our stories as individuals but then it's like what happened with you and me earlier in the podcast like there's an immediate like oh i've had that experience or you know something like this and then boom just like that you have a connection and that's that's exactly what that's exactly what we're trying to explore here in this podcast of those connections. That's that's it. Yeah, it really is it. That's the DMB family is such an important part of my life. Um, not only because of the people I've met, but because of how comforting it is. You know, when you when you have music you love so much, and then you can see that physical representation of that music in your friendships. Like it just it it it's huge. It's it's wonderful. So, kind of a, yeah, it's a little off the beaten path on, on the questions, but uh, again, doing this off the top of my head this time. So, uh, 
think about all the people in your life, the ones that, that aren't DMB fans that maybe haven't heard the song Friends Family. If you were to sit down and be able to play one, just one song for them, only one, uh, what song would you pick and, and why would you choose to give that particular message to the people that you love? <sighs> well, you know, as many of your listeners can attest to for themselves, I'm sure I've introduced lots of people to the band's music. Um, and I usually just tell them to kind of take it all in, let it get inside you, you know, really think about it, feel it. Um, and I typically recommend going for a drive and listening in the car with the windows down whenever possible. Um, I've made many DMB mixes for people over the years, sometimes getting a little carried away. So one CD becomes, you know, a package of like 12. But, um, if I had to narrow it down to just one, the, the generic knee-jerk reaction answer is Ant Marching because it, it it best exemplifies what Dave Matthews Band is, you know, that, that sound. Um, but it's like, especially with the goings-on in our world, the state of everything, not just our country, but the world as a whole, um, the, the, a song like The Last Stop, you know, it might be a little heavy, for someone for the first time listen but it's those lyrics are in that song it's just so heartbreakingly poignant all across the globe every single day of our lives um so i, I guess i'd have to go with last stop and marching one of those two just just because those are not only always appropriate but they're masterpieces of, of musical composition You know, lately, um, I've been talking to friends and, and, and not just personal conversations, but you read the news, whether it's online or the newspaper. And 2020, obviously, was, we can all agree that it was just a shit year. And uh, I've been noticing in 2021, at the start of it, there was a little bit of a bounce back for the people that I knew were having a rough time. But over the last week or two, uh, it seems like, people in my life at least are starting to struggle again, whether it be COVID or Tommy having lost their job. Or I, I had two friends within three days that both had miscarriages. It's just been ah, oh, yeah, kind of a kind of a rough one. So um, there's a good chance that at least one of the per people that are listening to this podcast are DMB fans and also going through a tough time. So if you were talking to somebody that was already a DMB fan and had a good understanding of the music and they were going through a tough time, what songs you encourage them to put on tonight? I, uh, I'd have to go back and say you never know uh, for all the reasons I had mentioned earlier. That's, you know, when you really listen to the lyrics and you really understand them, that is such an uplifting song. And, and it, it, we've all been through some dark times. And, you know, everyone has their own stories and things that they've gone through that sometimes they share, sometimes they don't. Like uh, the people you know have had miscarriages. We've, I've had that in my own life with friends and family members, and that's never, uh, never an easy thing to go through. Um, for me, the lowest, maybe not the lowest moment of my life, but one of the low points was uh, my divorce, and I had mentioned briefly earlier, but it was, it was pretty rough. And without a doubt, the song impacting me during that time was "You and Me." I had, 
I had performed that one for my ex-wife at our wedding. And, you know, we really tried to make that our reality. Um, I think when you try to keep something alive that just isn't there, it hurts all the more when it finally dissolves. And, and that's a, that's a deep hurt knowing you just couldn't do it, you know? Um, and naturally, of course, the, the first show I was at the rail on the rail for after we had pretty much decided to end things was night two of Deer Creek in 2016. And of course you and me was played, uh, near the end of the main set. Um, and I'll never forget my friend Amy, who was happened to be there uh, behind me in the pit with her husband. She just reached out and just held my shoulders. I hung my head um, during that song behind the rail, you know. But it's like for someone going through heartbreak, you know, there's there's songs like You and Me that put such a beautiful spin on falling in love and and starting a family. For someone going through the heartbreak and loss of a miscarriage, there's the the poetry of a song like. Uh, baby blue for example you know flying away with the angels um so i guess my answer has to be there are so many songs in the day management catalog that can be applied to so many different situations because all of us have our own stories and we all have our own experiences um and this band's music and particularly dave's lyrical composition um allows us to find songs that can be applied to so many different situations you know this song can go with this this song can go with this um so it's not just one song that i can give someone who's hurting you know just ask two questions find out what's making them hurt why are they hurting and then you know be able to say okay well you need to listen to this song because i think it could really help you right now and um we're fortunate as they've met these man fans to have such an amazing catalog of songs because there are so many choices that we have um for so many different situations of everyday life i think that was very well said and uh you know if there is people listening to this that are having a tough time also go and take a look at the show notes page uh, for this episode on dnbondemand.com there'll be some resources there for you uh, i'm not a trained professional by any stretch of the imagination but if you just need an ear reach out to me Access me all across social media at DMB On Demand. We'll have some links for you. So let's go to the other side. Let's talk about the romance part of the music. Do you have a song that is just your feel-good time song? If you put it on, the windows are down, that's the song that you like to hear that just puts you in that kind of summer romance kind of feel with life. Huh, yeah, summer romance. Um, there are several. Um, the feel good songs, you know, and it's actually it's a seasonal kind of thing, you know. Um, like when fall is around, which is my favorite season, I I really I spin the uh, the Some Devil album mostly. The the CD I don't have the record, of course, it's not pressed yet. Yes, uh, but um, the song Dodo, you know, that's just such a great song. Uh, to listen to at any time but for me that's just such a fall album um so that would be that um but then you know if i'm really feeling in love you know like maggie and i are taking a drive or something um actually okay that's perfect uh so maggie and i we actually we drove down from ohio this was a few years ago to a little town outside of nashville uh in my old honda civic to see the total solar eclipse 2017 
And we left around 11 at night, so we drove through the night. So we'd get there early and pick a good spot to set up our hammock and relax and watch the Celestial, you know, show. Um, we were sitting in our double-nested hammock opposite one another reading. And out of nowhere, she just started humming, I love you oh so well. Like a kid loves candy and fresh snow, you know. And I'm just like, it was this tiny, tiny little moment. But I still hold on to that one so tightly. Um, wow, that's awesome. It's, it was. It was beautiful because it came out of nowhere. And after the eclipse... You know, everyone, you know, thousands and thousands of people drove down to see because it was just this little band across the states, you know. So after that, we were driving back in traffic, you know, and we were in Kentucky for 10 hours. You know, all these other people who had ventured south to watch it, you know, they're all moving back or all going back home. And eventually my car, (laughs) this is a 14-year-old little Civic, she couldn't take it. And um, we (laughs) crapped out right on the highway in Kentucky, um, had to get towed, spent the night at a hotel. And uh, it was was like so – all right, so I hold on to that little tiny memory of her humming that song, um, yeah. Because that's a wonderful little point from an absolutely wild uh, road trip. But um, I think uh, it, it depends on the day too. Like just the other day, I was driving somewhere, and I've been uh, I've been listening to a lot of uh, classical music lately. I'm just on a classical kick, and uh, somehow I had accidentally put number forty one, the studio number forty one, on this one playlist. And it came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, that's not classical. And I was about to change it. But I was like, yeah, all right, let's turn up the volume. I'm just getting out of the freeway. And it was like, okay, the windows are both down. I'm about to be going 75, just like you said. So I cranked it up even more. And it was just, it was one of those beautiful feel-good moments. It was a lovely day. The sun was out. And, you know, sometimes a song just hits you. Like, I might not have been seeking it out. But then all of a sudden, boom, there it was. And it just put me in such a good place. Um that happens for so many different songs you know like you pick any album and a song could come out of nowhere and play and it's like oh dude i haven't heard this one in a while you know even like (laughs) if you're listening to like the everyday album you know and like mother father comes on like for me that tends to be kind of a skip song just because i think as a composition it could have been developed further but that's another story um but there are times where I'll let it play, and like by the end, it's like, damn, yeah, that, that Carlos Santana really does add that whole other level, and and the lyrics really are like just straining, like why is there so much bad in the world? And it really gets you thinking. It's like, damn, that was good, that was worth it. But I never would have like actually sought that out. Just that's not one of my favorites. But that happens so many times with so many different songs, and uh, I'm sure that it's the same for many of your listeners. You know, we just depending on what kind of a day we're having. We might have a day where we just we really need to put on Gray Street and just blast it and just feel good. Or we might be having a day where we need to put on Gray Street and blast it and cry, you know? So it's yeah, there are so yeah. many different different uh situations to apply those songs to every day. Yeah, I find a lot of um, you know, like he said, that you put on Gray Street and you cry. I have some songs that it's not it's not hate. It's uh, sometimes despair. I guess despair would be the good word for it. If, if, if I'm ever in a moment where there's despair around and I want to, and I, and I feel frustration and aggression, I can put on Deed is Done and listen yes. to that. Theme. Oh my God. And, yeah. Yeah. Put it on at like volume 20 and like catharsis. It just, it I can push it into that song and it knows what to do with it. And I walk away feeling a little bit better. I, I, I've been heard. I've been felt. And there's some catharsis. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's all over the spectrum. You can have that for love, for despair, for anger, for hope. There, there's, there is literally a song for anything in this catalog to be able to speak to you when you need to be spoken to. Um, 
I completely agree with you. And and yeah. you know, someone else might listen to Dita's done for a drastically different reason and have just the same kind mm-hmm. of reaction. Yeah, that emotional mm-hmm. release. Yeah, absolutely. There's some magic to that. Um, there is. There is. Yeah. So if you had to pick, uh, without explanation, this is kind of a tough question. Um, if you had to pick three songs, and to know those songs is to know you. For example, if somebody <laughs> listened to and understood number 27, number 41, and Bartender. If they knew those songs and knew them well, then on some level they know me because they best reflect my life. Uh, and how, not just my experience, but how I perceive the world as well. So what are your three songs that to know those three songs is songs is to know Nico? Ah, man. Um, I could just say all of the numbered songs, you know, even num- from number 34 up. But uh, I, <laughs> so if you, if I, I'm going to put this question as like three songs in three different parts of my life kind of a thing. So like okay. too much. Um, you got to enjoy the access of fun things in life, but at the same time, you can have too much. Um mm-hmm. And in college, I certainly overindulged myself. Um, being Greek, a lot of fun. And being a guitar player, a lot of fun. Um, so that uh, that would kind of be phase one. Um, okay, so like my Twitter handle is Sweet Up and Down. It has been since I started my Twitter. And I've always loved that song because it is the message. You know, it's just one, sometimes we get brought down but we got to keep up the pace and I'll make it through. Um, sometimes I feel like I believe in love, but then love lets me down. You know, we've all been there. We've bought heartache. Um, mm-hmm. But that is the sweet up and down. It, it goes up and it goes down. So like, that's something I kind of realized over time, you know, making good choices, making bad choices, having good days, having bad days, having wonderful relationships, having terrible relationships. Um, so I would say sweet up and down will be up there. And then, uh, uh ah crush uh crush how i feel about maggie you know that's it's she just slays me every day um in the tiniest things you know like during covid um this past uh, february was my birthday february 1st she was actually covid positive during that time so she was all the way upstairs in the bedroom and i was downstairs and we'd see each other for 10 days you know i'd leave the food outside the door and the cat was with me and it was really hard. And she still, even though we were in quarantine, she still arranged it so that I had a bunch of friends show up, leaving like little bags of food and treats and little cards outside my door. You know, oh, it, it, like, yeah, like those little things. And like, that was a, yeah. a beautiful thing she did for me. But then, you know, she could wake up and I'll, I'll see her at the makeup mirror and she's just doing her wingtips, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, she's so beautiful. Like, that's how I feel like crush, you know, it just literally, she crushes me. Um, but then the flip side of that, it's also a sexy song, smooth AF, you know. And um, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think, uh, I think we all need a little bit of crush in our lives. So too much, sweet up and down, and crush. Um, I'm sure on any other day I can pick three different songs too, but uh, we'll go with those three for now. Nice, nice. Um, so for me, um, the lyric that I like the most in the band's catalog is a very real, tiny, tiny little overlooked humble lyric. And it's from 41, and it's I Will Bring Water. And I heard it 
And something about it just resonated with me in that, you know, the question is, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes, your brother's keeper. If you have water and they need water and you don't give them water, that is wrong. Uh, and of course, water being whatever it is they need in that moment. Um, as long as it's healthy and good to give, you give. So that's kind of a way of saying or leading into my thoughts on the music as a whole. As a whole, I think if you put together all the songs, shake them up and pour them out and distill them, the message that I come away with is love, but not just love, love, but then take that love and do something with it. Mm. And that's kind of how I've summed it up for myself. So what about you? When you, when you put all the songs together and you, you press them down, what's the message that you try to apply to your own life? Well, I got to say that's excellent. Very observant of you picking out that particular line. Um, you were talking about it and I'm just here thinking, damn, like water, is, that is such a simple little thing. Yet that is life sustaining. We all need water to survive. So to be saying that you're bringing water to someone is that you are in a way bringing them life and that is amazing so thank you very much for pointing that out to me and i'm going to listen to that song after we're done here and i'm going to see it in a whole new light because right and like that's the point one thing means something to one person that another person who even had even though they listened to the band for years never really picked up on that one tiny little thing so thank you very much for that um uh i'm kind of blown away by that it's now immediately thinking of water into wine and just i want to go through the catalog now and see like where else is this imagery you know um yeah, you can grow from that one line <laughs> like seriously trust me. Trust me. I've, I bet. And I've, I've followed that tree I'm, I'm probably gonna do some digging on that one now but uh as far as the, uh, the message behind the music i know it uh i agree with you about the love um, that's a huge part of it and this may sound cliche but life is worth living um, you'll find that in so many of his songs. Uh, there's that whole carpe diem feeling. Um, and, you know, Drunken Soldier kind of comes right out with it and says, we, we're only here for a short time. You get once around and that's it. Um, so life is worth living. Get, you got to make the most of it. You've got your tribe, you got your people, you got yourself. You just, you know, dance, love, and be together, be yourself. No. Um, you know, it's, that is, that is the message. You can find a connection with all these people, but you can also find it within yourself. It's, it's beautiful to find that love and to find that, uh, that worth in life, in living. I can't think of a better way to close out the episode than that last exchange. So, um, that's what we're going to do. And, if you want, before we close up shop here, take as much time as you need. And if you want to, if you had any notes you wanted to go over that we talked about, or if you want to talk about any charities, organizations, and the, essentially the floor is yours. Talk about your music, whatever you want. Um, and folks, whatever Eco talks about, we'll be sure where applicable, we'll have some links on the notes for the show uh, episode. So Eco, the floor is yours. Take it away. All right. Thanks, Drew. Um, yeah, I've got 
so many stories that I could talk about. And, you know, just sitting here talking with you about these things, it's just bringing back all kinds of things, just flooding, flooding my mind with memories. And uh, I, I, I know that your listeners and everyone in the DMV family has those moments where it just, it just starts hitting you. And I just got to say, I am just so thankful for this band and for the people I know and love because of this band um uh, and any time that we can get together is it's always a party it's always a wonderful time you know i've hosted the the dreaming tree tailgate at blossom uh for several years and we play at lebo's we have the meetup down in cincinnati uh every tour we've been doing that for years and getting people it was the day that really started my interest like, wow I, I this band but I, I really need to understand this band i should start listening to this band more and uh tessa my sister she and i we've gone to many concerts together over the years not just dave matthews band but um several artists uh, but we we were together at the august 5th 2008 show at riverbend down in cincinnati it was uh during roy's injury so he was not playing and jeff had a previous engagement with Bella Fleck and the Flecktones, so there was no saxophone at all for this show, um, which was very strange. It was the first time I, since like 1992, I think, that it didn't have a saxophone. And it actually, it did me of the, oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's something I listen to a lot. It's It gave me a, a deep respect for Rashawn Ross because he carried that horn section on just his trumpet alone. And like, that is a, that's a feat, yeah. Um, and that 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 was the show when they started into every day and then faked it into Halloween. That was the first time they did it. It came out of nowhere, you know. And um, the previous performance was uh, the previous year in Vegas, 07. And before that, it wasn't since like 01 or 02 at Madison Square Garden or something like that. So this was, you know, the second time in almost 10 years that this song had been played. And it came out of nowhere, you know. And like BT is up there just doing his fiddle, like the typical everyday number 36, like kind of like a little intro. And then when Carter brought those drums in, and instead of the little the dun dun the bum bum you know for every day, it was the bun dun the bun dun the bum bum, and the place erupted. It was like it, the highest energy moment of any concert I've ever experienced. You know, Tess and I we were just jumping, screaming, and even Dave couldn't restrain the energy. Um, this particular track was released, I think it was on a on a warehouse disc a few years ago, but the the uh, taper pull is out there too, and the taper pull actually almost prefer at times because you hear the crowd just absolutely explode but even dave like when he's singing you can hear him uh he's singing the melody higher than it than it's written than it should be and it's just because of all this energy and it like the crowd exploded and then the band was feeding off of it and it's just this monster version of, of energy in this halloween and that whole performance was absolutely unforgettable and i, I cannot listen to that song and that recording and not get goosebumps and think of my sister. And um, actually the following year <laughs> at the same venue, we were both there, but we were with different groups of friends. And after the second or third song, she texted me and I opened my text and it says, his voice sounds growly tonight, dot, 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 Halloween, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, oh my God, dot, so leave it alone. And then like, of course, lo and behold, they started playing Halloween and the encore was like, damn, dot. I was like, you know your stuff. But um, I mean, again, I could, I could talk music with you for hours, bro. Uh, and I don't want to talk your ear off. So I'll, uh, I'll just close out with uh shout out to my girl, Maggie. Thanks for loving me. And uh, <clears throat> my fellow DMB family admins, Peter, Johnny, Vicky, Kristen, Matt, Fabio, Carrie, Ben. It's crazy uh, being admin to that group, but it is so worth it. And uh, 
we're grateful every day. So I can't thank you enough for having me. I've been wanting to do this with you for so long. I mean, I've been in D and Beyond Demand since God, probably almost ten years now, like twenty eleven. Isn't that when you started it? Yeah, dude. So it, it's taken a while for us to get here to do this together, but I'm so glad we finally are, man. Yeah, me too. So uh, like I said earlier, I did another recording. I, I kind of record ahead of time for my season, so I had plenty of time to edit. And I started kicking around this idea with the last interview. And I think now that after this interview, uh, there's two things for sure. One, I'm not using notes anymore. I absolutely love <laughs> the way this conversation went. And that's what a little it was. more off the cuff. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. was kind of like an it, interview. It was, it was just a back and forth. Yeah. And the second thing was um, I'm putting together a Patreon page right now. I'm still getting it set up, but I was thinking about bonus content and I was thinking of a concept that I could do for bonus episodes. And the name that came off the top of my head was DMB Boomerang, where we sit down and we have one topic of discussion. And then whatever that topic is, we start talking about the songs that refer to that topic. And then we can spiral out from there song different songs different lyrics and we can keep the topic going as long as at the very end 30 minutes whatever at the very end it comes back around to that original topic so we start with one and then we let it drift and float and go how it goes and then bring it back to that music and topic at the end I yeah think I like that would that. be amazing to do with you i always man i mean i could talk about anything with this band or music in general i'm nice, sure there are a lot of people nice. out there who would too man all right, so I'll get I'll get moving forward on that. I, th- this conversation kind of solidified that I think that could be something not just as interesting that people would actually enjoy listening to, kind of a stream of consciousness sort of yeah. conversation about the music or the music being the core of it. So yeah, All right. it's like we had uh, talked about before. There's always something that might come up that someone else didn't think of, like that line in number yeah. forty-one. You know, like and that it's 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 a big moment. <laughs> like for me, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still going to go listen to that song when we're done. <laughs> So like to nice. give that to someone else, like that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. Perfect. All right, man. Well, Hey, thanks for taking the time to come on. Like you said, it, it, it took a long time, but I'm glad it got there and I can't wait to have uh, some more time sitting with you just talking about the music. So enjoy your afternoon. Have a great weekend, man. And uh, thanks again. That's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much. Welcome to the final segment for today, The Way I Heard It. We know there is such diversity within the DMB family, or community, and for this reason alone, there will be differences in how we all interpret the music and the lyrics. Each week, we select a song and ask several fans to break down the song the way they heard it. Take a listen. Perhaps you would have heard the song in the same way, or perhaps you'll find a new appreciation of the song discussed. Enjoy! Folks, I decided that instead of bringing a guest on for the Way I Heard It segment, I would actually go ahead and speak on a song that's been heavy on my heart over the past few days. It's by and far my favorite DMB song. It's number 27. Just to give you a little backstory on my life, um, a few years back, I had a breakdown and it forced me to seek out the medical and emotional and mental uh, help that I didn't even know I needed. 
it was so bad and so deeply in, intertwined with me that I just assumed that this was life and that's it. Deal with it. Um, before I got that help that I needed, I met my now wife. And inside the context of the song, my wife is my home. Um, and the song kind of goes into this great deal of conflict. You know, I've been high and I've been down, my head in the clouds, my hands in the ground. In the arms of a woman, I found my way home. In the arms of a woman, I have been lost. And when I'm so lost that this losing feels like dying, I hope you'd be by me then. And so she was my, my way home. And the song told me that conflict is okay. Uh, it's okay to be sick of war and sick of peace, to be sick of darkness like you're sick of the lightness. It's okay to feel these things as long as you're on your road home. Now, at the time, I didn't know my wife when I first heard this song. So I didn't know at that time that she was the road home that was coming along and coming along quickly. Uh, when I met her, all of a sudden I felt an ease in the conflict that I had going on for so many years. And when I first heard this song, it kind of opened my eyes to my reality. And then when I met my wife and found my way home, I knew that everything was going to be fine, that the conflict was okay, uh, that getting old and dying of sickness or being sick of you and sick of me, sick of sound, like I'm sick of silence. And I'll grow sick of the darkness till I'm sick of the light. These things are okay. Really. It's okay to be conflicted. As long as you know your way home. And so when my wife came into my life, it was pretty easy to see that, that she was going to be my way home. She comforted me when my internal conflicts and turmoil were getting the best of me. She stood by me as I went through this unmedicated, untreated, and was just trying to find something to hold on to. Uh, so I didn't snuff my own life out. And so, having known my way home now, I felt okay with the conflict. And then, eventually, after I met my wife, I would say two or three years into the relationship uh, is when I had my breakdown and I went and sought help. It was a very dark, very scary place. Uh, one that my wife was even having trouble reaching me in. 
And I can only imagine how hopeless that must have made her feel. Uh, wanting to alleviate my pain, but not knowing how, because we didn't even know what it was. Turns out, I was living with bipolar type 2 disorder for the better part of 20 years. Um, some simple counseling and medication got that under control. The fog lifted. Uh, I could see my way home again. And so any of the small conflicts that would still come up, they didn't phase me anymore. Um, and it brings me to the last section of the song that is something that if I could tattoo it on my soul, I would. It's a reminder that your life is your own and that there's always going to be people who are naysaying your life choices. Uh, but those voices don't matter. Uh, as long as you are finding your way back home. So the lyric is, So I will live as I see fit, and there will be those who will not like it. But in the arms of a woman, I found my way home. So to the arms of a woman, I will always go. And if I'm old till this old me has me dying, I hope you'll be by me then. If I could imprint that into the very fabric of my being, I would do so. I try to do so every time I hear this song. Um, I found somebody that I consider to be my way home. And so to the arms of a woman, in particular my wife, I will always go. And I'm so fortunate because if I'm old till this old me has, has oldness has me dying, I hope you'd be by me then. I have somebody to where when this old, this oldness has me dying, I know that she'll be by me then. And just to go through that life experience of undiagnosed bipolar disorder and to find comfort and solace in this song, to see later on that my way home was into the arms of a woman that I love with all of my heart and to know that even as I get older and these things start to slowly uh, kill me because uh, if it's left untreated that's exactly what it's going to do um, and if I ever go through my conflict again I know that she'll be by me then and I wouldn't trade that for all the gold and riches of the world. So that's my take on number 27. Um, and how the lyrics have impacted my life. Both my previous life and my current life. And uh, I, I sleep comfortably knowing that I have somebody by my side that'll be there until the last moment. Hopefully you have somebody in your life 
man, a woman, a son, a daughter, a cousin, a niece, a nephew, an aunt, a grandparent, somebody in your life that loves you for who you are, that reminds you that it's okay to be conflicted as long as you're on your way home. And I truly hope you find somebody that even when you're sick and old and dying, that they'll be right there by your side so you can live out your days with a true sense of peace and feel okay about what comes next. All right, that's my take on number 27. We want to give a special thanks to our guests and co-contributors for this episode of the podcast. Without your valuable contributions, we wouldn't be able to continue. We hope that you've enjoyed our deep dive into the music of DMB and the community that supports them. You can find us on all social media platforms by searching DMB On Demand. Visit us on dmbondemand.com for DMB-related merch and to learn more about DMB On Demand. Until next time, don't burn the day away.